Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. What a, what a great, meaningful time in community together. Um, as I was participating, for some reason my, my memory went um, to a woman I knew in a, a country that I won't mention that I was with many years ago. Her name was Joy. And I don't know if, because that, that word was in that scripture, it triggered the memory, but Joy had become a follower of Jesus, and she had lost everything. Um, She had been uh, removed from her family. Uh, She had lost her job. She had no way of earning income. And so I had heard about her and asked if there was a way that I could meet with her. So even the place we met was, uh, I guess you'd say in secret, because of fear of repercussions uh, for her. And uh, I just remember being with her, dialoguing with her, and her question that sort of still haunts me. It was really simple, and it was just, what about me, Jim? What's going to happen to me? And you know, I did my best to bring words of courage and comfort you know, and they, you know that there's such an impulse that wanted to try to figure out how to get her out of where she was. But there's also an awareness that that's not what God had for her. And she knew that. She understood that. So as we were going through that exercise together, I was beginning just to be filled with gratitude for the gift of community that we get to do this together, and there are people that don't, who are followers of our life, and our rabbi, our teacher, that this is done in seclusion, and often in solitude for them. So, let's never take for granted these kinds of moments. Um, And let's remember those, as we do, who don't have it. And let's be with them as much as, much as we know how uh, in prayer. So I'd, li- I'd like to just start our time uh, praying for joy this morning for her and her life. And, and you may have other people you know like her that might come to mind. And so you may want to take this moment and lift that person or that community up as well. Let's pray. Lord, we know that we do not function as a small community in the middle of the United States in isolation. We're part of a grander story. We're part of an an enterprise, a revolution. We're We're part of a reach of love that you've been doing from the beginning. And we, we are here for a moment in our lives and we acknowledge that we join and we link 
with brothers and with sisters all across this globe in proclaiming your grandeur, in worshiping your sovereignty, in acknowledging our finiteness apart from you, and coming to understand how deeply, deeply blessed we have been to have been invited into this discipleship endeavor, to this new life that we've been birthed into as children of a Father who loves us, of people who've made a commitment of life, of lordship, of saying no to our will, our way, and yes to the one who has loved us and given all for us. Lord, we ask that you would inhabit this moment we have together. We pray that you would be richly with us in ways that I can't make happen. But we trust the living Christ and his spirit in our midst. And we receive it. So we don't have to make this happen. It's already happened. We pray for friends like Joy who live very, very differently and their, their allegiance to you has come with a different kind of cost that most of us are acquainted with. Father, we re, not just remember them, we pray in some ways they would be teachers for us as we live out our times and our days and we wrestle with what it means to be a people of God together. May their witness in some meaningful way stand in our imaginations, in our thoughts and in our prayers and say to us, it's worth it. Though it costs all we have, it's worth it. Though trouble may visit us, you are worth it. We can say, our mouth rejoices. Our body is secure. We have gladness of soul as we have confessed this morning. So Lord, we pray you would meet us in these moments. Remember our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. About a month ago, I was at one of those moments where many of you feel from time to time in your life, I think we all do, where I, I simply said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I just don't know. I feel so over my skis right now. I don't know what to do. And um, it was one of those moments also where God met me. And uh, it was one of those times, it doesn't happen very frequently in my life, where I heard his voice almost audibly. And it was clear, it was simple, it didn't need a lot of interpreting, it was just there. And I heard his voice say, Jim, you don't have to do anything. Just watch and see what I will do. And so that, that word from God's Spirit has come to rest 
and Cindy and me as we've been in prayer um, in our lives and for our community, and uh, it continue to, continues to speak to us, and I hope that maybe that'll be of encouragement to you as well. Shaken, that was one of the ver- words out of Psalm 16, shaken, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. That, that's just such a confident af- affirmation, not of our ability to figure things out or to deliver flawlessly our relationship with God or each other. It's an anchor in our lives because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And there's been a lot of shaking and sifting going on uh, the last several years in, in our nation, our world, our lives, even in our community. So may God's word continually speak to us in those ways. Because he is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. We will be bumped, for sure. But we can also find an anchor in him. So once or twice a year, we do kind of a service we call Oath. It's a pretty rudimentary acrostic. It just stands for on top of the hill. It just means a time when we kind of try to get a little bit higher altitude and just try to say something about where we are as a community and how God might be leading us. So this morning, we've kind of deemed uh, one of those uh, days, an Oath Sunday, we call it. It's going to be very simple um, today. I'm not going to try to say a lot. I'm going to try to say a couple of things. I hope clearly uh, for you, and I really hope you will hear uh, things with clarity, and also you'll hear my heart uh, as I share them. The things I'm going to share, for if you've been around our community very long, they're not going to hear anything new uh, to be honest with you, maybe a, a new strategy or a new, some new steps, but in content, uh, you're not going to hear much new. And I hope that's encouraging to you. Uh, Brian, I want to ask Brian if he would come up. Brian is my fellow elder uh, right now. He has, Brian and I have spent a lot of time together over the past several years. Um, he has been a tremendous encouragement. Uh, to me, uh, as well as a tremendous friend that's been willing to be iron sharpening iron. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways I would describe the difference between me and Brian is Brian is really gifted at making the complex simple. And I love that about him. And uh, I need Brian in my life because if you know me very well, I've been making the simple complex since like 1984. So it's just kind of how I'm wired and and put together. So I would suggest that Brian and I are like peanut butter and chocolate or something like that, Brian. But uh, anyway, I asked Brian if he would come up and in his words, kind of just try to reflect his vision for our community as and I think it reflects, in many ways, our vision for our community. And so, Brian, yeah. So I just, um, I was sharing this with Jim 
this week, and I think I shared it with somebody else last week or something like that, but I just see our church, but the church in any local church, that there's kind of like two pillars for what they're supposed to be about, two kind of tent poles for what the church is, and, and it's a pretty simple way to look at it is loving God and loving people. Um, simply put, loving God and loving people. And so I think for loving God, the church as a local community is supposed to help people love God, help them grow in their relationship with the Lord, help them understand what it means to walk with Christ, and come alongside them. Um, I think it's like the old illustration of you want to help people. You don't want to just give people fish, but you want to help them learn how to fish so they can feed themselves. And I think the church is supposed to come alongside people to help them learn how to fish and so they can eat and partake in this, the goodness of God. And so, so I think the church is supposed to come alongside people to help them love God and walk with Jesus on a daily basis. And then loving people. And I think it, I've, my mind goes in two different ways. The first part of loving people is this community. You know, the, God, the, the Bible indicates that we're like a family of God. It calls us brothers and sisters. And, and so loving people is loving one another. There's so many one another's in scriptures, but it's to love each other and to walk in life together as we love God. And so part of the church is this group of people here living out of community. But then the second part of loving people is loving the people that aren't in this room. It's loving the people that are across the street from you, loving the people that are in your dorm, loving the people that are in class with you, loving the people that are, that are customers of yours, or loving people that are overseas like Joy who don't have a community to walk in. So I think if, for me, if you just, just simplify, simplify what church is, it's loving God and loving people and us doing that together. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Thank you, and I love that, Brian. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna quicken my pace a, a little bit just because I want to get it in. Uh, so bear bear with me on that. But uh, I, I also want to unpack that a little bit. And I, I want to hopefully not now make the simple complex. <laughs> so, but just to say a little bit more about it. I think I want to articulate, excuse me, what I think our, all of our longing is. Our longing for church is a vibrant, healthy community that looks like Jesus. I think that's what we all want. That's what we're all striving for. We want to represent and mirror the life that Jesus said he has come to give. He gives this really sobering contrast right in the middle of the Gospel of John. You know it, many of you. The thief has come to what? Steal, kill, destroy. I've come that you might have life. And have it abundantly. It's, it's, it's meant to stop us. It's, it's meant to 
sober us, that we would feel that contrast between life apart from God and life with God. It, it reminds us that there is an enemy that's just not a figment of imagination. And there's a way of life of the enemy. And there's a way of life with God. And he wants us to see that. I think it's why he said it so simply. I've come that you might have life. And you might have it abundantly. <clears throat> I want to offer to you three simple ways of seeing or understanding our discipleship to Jesus. And I'm borrowing these. There's a pastor in Portland. Some of y'all read him, John Mark Comer. And I'm taking this from him. He has a really good way of articulating discipleship to Jesus. The first one is to be with God. Mark tells us that when Jesus first called his disciples, the first thing he says is he called them to be with him. That's where discipleship starts, to simply be with God. That starts as individuals and together. Chance, I appreciated the liturgy. That was just an exercise of being with God in word and in spirit. As disciples, we're we're to learn to live daily with God as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. One of my dear friends that I've learned from this past year is a woman in Colorado named Mimi Dixon, and we've Zoomed every month. One of the things I've appreciated from her and kind of caught from her a little bit, she almost never uses the word God. She always uses the Trinity. And it's a reminder to you, she'll say, I I had a conversation with the Trinity this morning, and I was speaking with the Trinity, or I was thinking about the Trinity. She reminds me how God has so beautifully and mysteriously come to us as one God expressed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of those are so meaningful. As we come to know God, we can come to know Him deeply in those ways to live our days with God. Don't take that for granted. Second, John Mark Comer says, discipleship is to become like Christ. This is the impulse of the discipleship teaching in the New Testament. Paul wrote, since you've been raised with Christ, set your minds and your heart on things above. He says, because you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Becoming like Christ is at the heart of what it means to follow Him. Discipleship is oriented to not just what we're doing, but who we're becoming. You know, when we first begin walking, being with God, we began adopting some essential practices of, of doing that are so, so important, Re- like reading our Bibles and learning prayer and learning to be in community with other people, learning to share 
our faith, and those become so fundamental to us, and we should never leave them. They stay with us as those kind of essential, basic practices of our lives. But as we walk in those ways, for most of us, another reality begins to set in for us. We begin to understand, I can do all those things and not become like Jesus. I can start doing them externally where it looks like I'm practicing discipleship, but there's not anything going on in here. I think we all know that. It doesn't mean the practice is wrong. It's the right habit. But we know we have to start attending to our inner life. We have to pay attention not just to the course of our discipleship, but the source of our discipleship. And so we have to take an inward journey more and more. We have to learn to deal with our inner life. And Jesus steps into that with us. He steps into us. We often hear his voice anew there. We hear an invitation. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. You're trying to do all these things that you think you're supposed to be doing. That's who he was talking to. People who are trying to fulfill religion. He says, come unto me and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we begin to discover a new, a new place of Jesus as our rabbi, as our life, as our coach. He becomes our source. We begin to hear him call us to this abiding life with Jesus, not just about doing practices, but by joining him and all of a sudden being with God merges with the practices, and we learn to see them that way. This is a natural and normal way our discipleship with Jesus matures. The last, the third point from John Mark Comer is that we would learn to live like Christ. When Mark wrote about Jesus calling the disciples, he says he called them to be with him. But then he also says, and he called them so he might send them out. God is always up to more than us. He's always seeing the people that we can't see. He's aware of other people's stories that are going to cross our stories. So we learn to live like him. He calls us to make disciples with our lives. That we would be not just reservoirs, but conduits of what His work is in us. And that's true for us as individuals. It's true for us as a community. Without us being a sent individual, without us living like a sent person, we become stagnant. So learning to live like Jesus is learning to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever you've parked in me, whatever you've entrusted to me, whatever work you're doing in me, that's not going to be just for me. There's someone out there that that is for, and I want to steward that. Lord, help me know how to nurture that work so that others may come to know you better. 
That's the longing to be with God, to become like Jesus, to learn to live like Jesus. Obviously, there's much more we can say about each of those three. But I hope that you'll hear the heart of God in all those. Those aren't three simple precepts, principles. Those reflect a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit who has come to seek and save the lost. So that's the first big point is a church anchored in Christ. The second one is this, a church growing in truth and grace. A church that's a culture of both love and knowledge. That's really two ways of saying the same thing. Truth is a hot topic in our culture in our days. Nothing new about that. It's always been a hot topic. Ever since Pilate cocked his head at Jesus and said, hey, what is truth? We've been wrestling with that question. What is truth? What makes something true? How does one come to know truth? How do we become confident that our truth is really true? What Francis Schaeffer used to call true truth. Truth is when we come to know something as it really exists. So I want to make just a few comments. I'm going to go professor for just a moment and give you some bullet points about truth. First, truth exists. There is true truth. That's the claim of Scripture. And that's a big claim. Scripture begins with a big claim, in the beginning, God. You can just sit with that one for a while if you want. In the beginning, God was there. His Spirit's hovering over the waters, and then God begins to speak. Truth exists. We sit on that foundation as a community. Secondly, we can know truth. Not all of it. There are secret things that belong to God. Deuteronomy says that. But then there are things that He has shown us. There is mystery embedded even in the little truth we know. We don't know it exhaustively, but that doesn't mean we don't learn to learn to live steadily in truth. We can. And it's always truth wrapped in love. Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. And then you will know what? The truth. And it will make you free. It's saturated with love. If it's God's truth, it cannot not be saturated in love. For as John said in 1 John 4, for God is love. Not just that God loves, he does. But God is love. It permeates his being. Third, truth is more than an ideal. It's very deeply personal. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He has identified himself, God in the flesh, God in person, with truth. Having a relationship with God is the most deeply held truth you can have. Because it's so deeply anchored in Jesus who is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Fourth, we can know truth because God has revealed it to us. We can know truth because, not because we've been so insightful, so spiritual, so intellectual that we figured it out. We're not elites, far from it. We can know truth, deeply personal truth, because God has said, here. How do we know truth from God? We know it through Scripture. All Scripture has the breath of God on it. As Paul wrote, Timothy, Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness. Scripture shows us Jesus more clearly. Dustin Stanley says it's like the glasses we put on to see Christ more clearly. And then Jesus, this is so beautiful, brings clarity to Scripture for us. Jesus said, don't think I've come to abolish the law. There were people in his day who thought, oh, he's doing away with God's written revelation of himself. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to what? Fill it up. Fulfill it. Make it known. We know God through Scripture. We know God through Christ. He is the fullness of God. He is the full revelation of God. He is the Word became flesh. He is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. God has revealed himself most completely in Jesus. Both Colossians and Ephesians talks about God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. God reveals himself in scripture in Jesus. He reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it'll be good for you that I go away to his disciples. Because when I go, the Spirit will come and he will guide you. He will remind you of everything I have said to you. As we grow in this abiding life with Jesus, our growth is punctuated with learning to hear the voice of God through his Spirit. We become attuned to the quality of his voice. The sound of it doesn't mean we always hear it clearly and sometimes we may get it wrong, but, but we get trained to hear his voice speaking to us. There are other ways that God reveals himself to us. He reveals himself through nature. The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19 one says. He reveals himself through the church. It's through the church. The manifold wisdom of God is being made known. To rulers and authorities in heavenly places, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3. But it is through word, Christ, spirit that God predominantly reveals himself. So if that's true, if it is word and spirit with Jesus at the center, then I would submit these are the prominent ways we get to know God as individuals in community. We're going to give some attention to that mix Right there, this semester. God also speaks, and I'll say a word about that in a minute. God also speaks to us through one another as we seek to know God and become more like Christ. Colossians 3, Paul writes, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. God speak to us through one another. In Acts, 15, Acts chapter 15, there's an amazing story. The church in Jerusalem were, was divided. They were at odds with each other. Because there were non-Jews becoming followers of Jesus. They were adopting him as their rabbi. And those Jewish believers were, were saying, that's cool, but you got to become Jewish too. Because Jesus is our, our Jewish carpenter, and you have to become Jewish in order to follow him. So the church was threatened. Its unity was threatened. So how did the church respond? Well, they gathered, and they said, let's work through this together. So they did. We, you can read it. We don't have time to look at it. But they discerned a step, a way forward as church. And I believe we can learn from this powerful example in Acts 15. That we would come together and work on issues that threaten us, that affect us. That we would learn to form our theology in community together. That we would learn to listen to each other we would shape our knowledge in community. And this is especially true when there are issues that threaten us, that threaten our unity. We must do the work together. Because there are issues that are difficult. That's why they threaten us. They're not black and white sometimes. How do we come together? Sometimes it might look like a representative group that's appointed and say, help figure this out and make a proposal. Some issues are of such a weight and nature that we need to come together and we need to engage them together. And I think that in some ways we're at a time like this in our community. So we want to examine some issues together over the next several months, as long as it takes. Uh, we want to give time and space to address them together. Time for learning, time for reflection, time for dialogue, time for discussion, time for questioning. There's three or four issues that are pretty easily identified that we need to come together on and look at together. Um, there may be more than these. I imagine there will be uh, as we walk together. But let me, let me list four. Um, they're all important. One is, the question is like, it, it, it's more the foundation. What is to be our lens? What's to be our grid? Uh, sometimes I use the word hermeneutic, and that's confused a bunch of people, and I'll, I'm not going to use that one <laughs> much. What, but all I'm trying to say is, what, how do we see the issues of our day? How do we come to place of truth where we can be confident? How do we make good and wise decisions of the issues of our lives, the issues in our culture? What's that look like? That's a big question, and we're going to try to start there. We'll start there next month. Another issue is kind of the issue of discovering and being equipped in and expressing our giftedness in the church as men and as women. 
What's the biblical witness on that? How do we come to discern that, those issues? Well, let's look at it together. Let's ask together. Let's not me just get up here and say this is how it is. Let's work on it together in community. Another issue is church governance. Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to give you a, a simple strategy we have for a next step. But there's a bigger question. How was the church best governed? Is Scripture say it has to be one way, or is there freedom on that? Let's look at it together. And then the fourth one is a little bit broader topic. So we'll start pretty broad, and we'll end pretty broad. Uh, and, this, and that relates to engaging the culture, the issues of the culture. How are we to live as apprentices, as followers of Jesus in our world? How do we come at issues in our world? They get so mixed up with pop culture. They get so mixed, blended in with politics sometimes. That's, that's so like right next to us and our neighbor and our lives. How do we, how did Jesus live in culture? He, he had as many issues of moral and social ramifications as we do. If we don't see that, we would be naive. Jesus lived in a Roman culture where 50% of the population was some form of slave. How did he live with that? There's other issues that were part of his culture that were icky. How did he live with it? We won't get all the answers necessarily just from that question, but those will, that will be one of them. Matters like these are important. There's diversity and be of belief if we look across the church at large on these issues. So it's important that we examine them together. Even as a small community, we come from different backgrounds on many of these issues. We need to look at them together and bring our backgrounds into the conversation. Another component is sometimes we discover we have what I want to call unexamined beliefs. We may have a strong thought or opinion on something. And when it's challenged, we don't know what to say. Let, let me just say, we all have them. You can't really live honestly without occasionally realizing like, oh, I think I think that because that's what my mom believed, or what my former pastor believed, or what I just always thought was right. Is that right? I haven't examined it. Now, we don't have time to examine everything, right? But when we come to big issues that threaten us, we need to look at them together. So let's do that. So I want to try to explain how we do that. Um, we will take each of these in the order, probably, that I listed them. We'll see. But we'll certainly start with this first question of our lens and our grid. And uh, we'll probably do some of it at this hour on Sunday morning. Uh, but we're not going to depart from the sermon series on John. Uh, we'll just occasionally take a break for a week from John, maybe do a message. But then what we want to do is, is have another opportunity to gather as a community around that issue. That will normally be Tuesday nights is when we do that. Uh, we may, one Tuesday night may be sufficient, but we may need many more than that. We won't do more than two in a given month, uh, but we may do one or two in a given month. And we'll, we'll just take it as it comes. 
And uh, so I encourage you as much as you can, leave Tuesday nights open. We've, as a church, we've protected Tuesday nights for the last several years because we've wanted to have a time where we could say, let's learn together, let's train together. And so now we're saying, let's work through issues together. We probably will mix in some podcasts here and there as well, maybe to introduce or summarize either what we're going to talk about or what we did talk about on Tuesday nights. We will probably Zoom it as well, but just FYI, it's really hard to Zoom dialogues well, uh, unless you've got a lot of really sophisticated equipment, and we have some people here that can help us with that, but Zooming that way with discussion isn't the easiest thing. But we'll, we will Zoom it for those of you who just can't be here physically. Um, we probably will not record it. That's really difficult to do, but we will send out summaries and that sort of thing. So that's, that's the strategy. Um, there'll be some experimentation with this. There'll be some trial and error. We've not done this before. We'll do our best and we'll do it together. Okay, I want to close uh, our time. And if you have questions on that, feel free to ask. Uh, but that, that we have spent a lot of time forming the strategy I just described. And that's, that's our best offering that we can come up with. We think this is important for our community that we engage issues together. I want to close. I want to share three pieces of information uh, to you. It's not exactly the right way to say it, but uh, it's what I've got. First of all, I want to introduce our staff uh, to you. Um, yeah, Brian, if you want to go get Cat, uh, that would be great, or maybe yeah, whoever's doing that. Maybe Cat's in the room already. If you're on uh, our staff, uh, so Debbie, Jared, and Chris, would you guys come up as I say your name? And we're, we're going to do this quickly. I just want you to see their face, uh, and I'll tell you their role. Uh, Emily Garcia and Kat Escobar, and Daniel and Emily. I don't think Daniel's here, and he's working this morning, but I know Emily is. Pons, is she in the room? She may be with Meredith. Okay. Okay, Ryan, is there any way, could you see if you can, see if she can come in? Uh, you guys know her, she's doing welcome else. And then Chance, of course. So uh, I am grateful and honored to get to serve with this group of people. Uh, we still have a few staff uh, roles we want to fill, uh, but um, we're working on that. But I just want you guys to see these guys. We have a lot of other incredible servant leaders in our community that serve in different ways. We have our CLC coaches uh, as well as our team leaders, and we're going to introduce them the next couple Sundays separately because I've learned if I introduce everybody at once, it's just like it's too many names and faces. So, so Debbie is on uh, my left, your right on the end. Most of y'all know Debbie. We've come to really, really seen and heard God's calling and giftedness in her voice with us. And Debbie is now going to be leading our Common Life community, our CLC ministry. Debbie will be with us next week, doing our, the teaching next week. I'm so looking forward to that. So thank you for saying yes, Debbie. It's a big job and pray for her as she uh, leads that vital ministry of our community. This is Jared and Christy Klein. They're awesome. I get to do CLC with them. They're like the young members in our, our group. And, uh, and uh, they lead our Connections team. And Connections team is such an important part of our ministry because it's our, it's our open door. It's our way of saying welcome 
and to new people and then helping them land in good places and relationships in our community and good roles. And so they play that. And everybody knows this guy right here, Chance. Chance does a lot in our community and he puts up with a lot from yours truly. And uh, he facilitates nurturing a worshiping community. It's not enough to say he just leads us in worship. He's nurturing us to be a people of worship. And that's so, so very vital for our, our health. I don't have to explain that to you. There's many weeks after he's leading, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to get up there. You know, I'm just going to mess it up from this point forward. So thank you, Chance. Emily Garcia and Kat, Kat Escobar. I'm kind of going to introduce them together, but then separate. Emily is leading our nursery. Uh, and she just, today's like sort of, not the first official day, but you've kind of, in some ways, yeah, feel that way. So, so uh, Emily is leading that vital ministry that's growing in our church, as you may know. Uh, I think we're going to flash a picture of Emery, our newest baby up there in a minute. And um, so Emily Garcia is leading that birth through, I don't know, when does it stop? Three or something like that. There's not, it's not really an age thing. It's just, it's just when they're ready to take the, yeah. Okay. And then Kat Escobar is leading her children's ministry. So whenever they get bumped out of nursery and go forward in our children's ministry, that's a, that's a big swath. And uh, Kat is giving leadership to that. Kat has been giving leadership to that for the past few years. And parents, if you have kids in the, those age, you already know her because she's awesome. has been very involved. And so, and then Daniel and Emily are in the, I know Daniel was working this morning. Emily probably is having a, a Meredith moment. Yeah, Ryan's saying yes. Yeah. So they are lead, they, they've been leading our, excuse me, events team, <clears throat> but they're transitioning to our story team. And they'll be leading that. It's, telling our stories is important to us as a community. And so they're going to be, as chances nurturing worship, their role is to help us better nurture telling our stories. Not just stories from the stage or on the screen, but in our lives. How do we do that? How do we bear witness well to God's presence and work in our lives. So that, that's kind of their role. So thank you to each of you. Thanks for coming up here and uh, letting us see your face. If you don't know, many of you know all of them, but some of you maybe know none of them. I hope you can get to know them coming days. All right, two more things. Um, I want to say something about moving forward when the, with the leadership of the church. You may know Brian and I are the elders right now, and it, we we. We know we need to like take a step forward from just Brian and I uh, serving in the, this kind of governance leadership way. So what we are, would like to do is assemble a temporary leadership team of six or seven people. Uh, Brian and I will be on that team. Uh, there will be two of our staff, uh, a man and a woman uh, from our staff on that team that we will select, and then we would like our covenant members to select two others, uh, maybe three if it looks like that's better. Um, and so we'll, we're not, I'm not going to dive into that now, but that process. But what we'd like to do is put a team together that can help us kind of transition into a, what will become a bit of a more permanent way of leading the church. We feel like that's the healthy step, is that kind of a transitional step made up of that group, and then both that team will be tasked to like help work on that, but then our covenant members will be the ones giving their yes 
to what that team comes up with. Does that make sense? Ask if, if it doesn't. So this will be, we don't know how long. We don't, we don't know if this will take a semester, two semesters. Uh, it's not going to be like one or two meetings. It's going to be a dialogue about how do we go forward. So, so ask if you have other questions about that. Um, but we will send an email out on that this week, kind of outlining that. Third, and this is the last one's a little bit lighter uh, in nature, uh, I want to let you know that Bridgepoint, you know, who owns the building, if you're new, you may not know that, Bridgepoint Community Church owns this building. They have a worship service here in, oh my goodness, 15 minutes. Is that right? <laughs> okay, all right, I'm going to say we better cut the last song, Chance, so sorry. It's Oath Sunday. I get more grace today. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so they're going to do a major remodel on this room. And so the pastor at Bridgepoint, Gary Greer, who's awesome, and I've been talking for several months about how can we, if we're going to stay here, how can we, like, help move forward? So Bridgepoint is going to, the pews you're sitting on, they're going. Um, there's going to be new carpet. Uh, the, the room's going to get painted, and then there'll be chairs in here. So the room will be a little bit more multi-purpose. Uh, so that, that'll, hopefully that'll all happen this semester. We're, we're looking at that kind of converging in October. So there'll probably be two Sundays, we're hoping only two. There'll probably be two Sundays we, we won't be able to meet in here. Uh, decent chance it'll be like the 15th and the 22nd. We're not for sure on that yet. But that's kind of what we're looking at. And it kind of depends on when materials come in and you, how, you know how challenging that can be. So it that might push it, but that's kind of what we're looking at is October 15th and 22nd, and we'll come up with other ways of being together um, on those Sundays. So uh, Bridgepoint is covering the entire cost of this endeavor, and uh, which is a blessing to us, uh, and they'll be asking for some help, uh, labor, as we, we're going to try to do this painting and installing as much as we can without hiring that. So we, we feel like between the two communities, we have a lot of people that are willing and able to do that. So I wanted to share that with you. That's coming, and I'm excited about that and um, really looking forward to, to that. They're, they'll do this, and then they'll start addressing outside of this room as well. But they felt like that, their team decided to start here in the sanctuary. Okay. Let, uh, Emily, is anybody doing announcements? Because uh, Brian, you got them? Because Emily was supposed to, and I think she... Got called out. So you close us out, bro. All right. Um, there's three announcements. Um, I usually have them memorized.